0: This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.
1: You're listening to A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast program.
2: Welcome. This is A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast show with Andrea and Alice. Our community is made up of so many amazing and diverse groups of people, as are the programs on Joy 94.9. There is something there for everyone. A little pot of joy is where we highlight just some of these amazing programs. We would like to show our respect and acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land, of Elders past and present of the Kulin Nation, whose land we are broadcasting from. We're opening the evening with a podcast from, as I was saying...
3: Lana speaks with Buck Angel, arguably the most famous trans fellow in the world, about identity, what we call ourselves, and the importance of context, the adult industry, how he likes that he's fetishised, and how he sees living to his authentic self as vitally important to his happiness.
2: So if you missed the show this week, the podcast is available for download from the Joy website www.joy.org.au forward slash as I was saying.
1: This is A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast program.
4: We respectfully acknowledge the traditional custodians on which the Joy Studios stand. We pay our respects to the Boon Boonwurrung, Tuggerwurrung, Jar Djawonwurrung and the Watharong people of the Kulin Nation and to their Elders past and present. Welcome to As I Was Saying, produced at Joy 94.9 in Melbourne. My name is Lana Wolfe. In November 2014, Buck Angel was in Australia and I saw him speak at the Trans Body Politic Forum in Melbourne. From this forum, due to having mutual friends, we went out to dinner together, started talking and agreed to meet the next day in a typical loud Melbourne coffee shop to record an interview. Buck Angel was assigned female at birth and conquered a lifetime of adversity to undergo his transformation and become a happy, healthy, self-confident man he is today. Buck created the first female-to-male adult website in 2003 and became the first female-to-male adult entertainer and film producer. In 2007, Buck made history again as the first transsexual man to ever win an AVN Transsexual Performer of the Year Award, the Academy Awards of the Adult Industry. This is our interview.
5: Well, political I guess can mean a lot of things and actually I never thought about even my work being political. But political to me is conversation and dialogue. And so my body, my body creates that, my body, my body creates a discussion around male and female identities, uh, sexuality identities, because I put myself out there as a man with a vagina, and that is not anything that anyone has ever really talked about or seen, Or so to me that's political.
4: So researching how you've interacted with and participated in the broader queer community It appears that internationally, you are more embraced by gay men Mm -hmm. than by trans persons. Interestingly enough, your fans are mostly made up of gay men, and your adult film co-stars are often gay men. Mm -hmm. You know,
5: what's behind this? Yeah, I mean, it's quite fascinating. When I um, started my work, it was all gay men who accepted me, and and not the trans male community. The trans male community does accept me now, but that said, there's a lot of turmoil within the trans community, and I think what happens is there's a lot of ego involved, and everyone wants to be the leader, and everyone wants to be, and that's clearly happens with a new movement, I think. Um, I'm not the voice of anything other than my own voice. And because I have a little bit more notoriety, I, I hope to be able to let other people speak through me and then in that way give other voices an opportunity. So um, I think that the reason why gay men tended to accept me maybe because it was an it's an older movement and they feel a little bit more grounded around a lot of stuff and they don't feel threatened by me or feel like I'm this voice up. And they were sexually attracted to me. I was a new kind of man. A new kind of man that might have, that they were like, wow, that's male and I'm attracted to that. But that person, you know, doesn't have the same genitals that I've always thought it was all about. So I opened in a sense a new form of sexuality. And so they were attracted to that because gay men are attracted to masculinity. Clearly, that's what they were attracted to.
4: Regarding his participation in adult films such as Man With A Pussy, I asked Buck if he has a set idea of how he wants people to view him.
5: You know, I did the Man With A Pussy thing 12 years ago when I started, and I did it specifically because within the adult industry, you have to have a sort of niche and you have to have a sort of thing to sell. And I did fetishize myself that way, clearly, clearly specifically for the adult industry not knowing what I was going to be today. I, there's no way that I knew I was going to be sitting here with you in Australia and having this conversation. No way. So that said, I, I think that that it was to get people to be aware of the fact that I'm a man who has a vagina and that I exist and that other people like me exist and that we are we are part of. And I I would, because we always, because for myself, it was always like, ooh, you can't be that. Ooh, you have to have a penis. Ooh, you'll never be a man. I was getting that from my own community too. And so I realized, you know what, that's not true. So the adult thing was a way for me to sort of feel good about myself and to reclaim my own body and to put it out there and to get other people to reclaim their own, it worked. There's people calling themselves man with a vagina, man with a pussy now. There's other guys like me. There's like a whole movement of guys like me who say I'm a man with a vagina, I'm a man with a pussy. Wow.
4: One of the things I really wanted to ask back was, how do you do sex positive trans porn? While minimalising the possibility of the aesthetic being turned back on the trans community by viewers interpreting it as a spectacle and as playing into the fetishising of trans persons' bodies. This is how he replied.
5: Of course, you don't think I get that already, that you're fetishizing trans people? I think fetishizing is a positive thing. I like that people fetishize me because I don't, that's why. Because they're just saying fetishizing is a negative thing. It is not. What about the people that don't feel that way? Yeah, you're right. What
4: about the people that put that on you just for, because of the content now?
5: Then that's fine. That's exactly what I do. But I'm not fetishizing anybody else but myself. Where does it say trans people? It says Buck Angel the man with the pussy. People are missing that point. It never says trans man. Now my I sexing the trans man, uh, X, But I give a voice to each. It's docu-porn. It is not about me. I put a camera on you and you speak. And you have performed because you are doing it. I don't tell you how to ha- I don't tell you how what to say. I ask you a question and I don't tell you what to do within the context of the sexual scene. And everybody who signs up to be part of my sexy and trans man clearly has their own idea of what they want to do to do that. So you're fetishizing yourself in a sense that you're okay with other people fetishizing you. That's the way I look at it as an empowerment tool. I'm all about empowerment. I'm not about... And I personally don't think fetishizing is a bad thing. I mean, you can if, if you can look at it both ways. It just depends on how you look at... It's like words. Reclaiming words. You can say reclaiming this word is not a good thing. Or you can say you're never going to make the world have everybody on the same plane. It's just not possible. All I know is... I know what I'm doing and I know the people that like what I do and that clearly is a lot of people. So I don't think that anything I do is a bad... You're always going to find the naysayer. It's just how it is.
3: You're on Joy 94.9 and this is a little pot of joy with Andrea and Alice. From Critical Hit, which just celebrated its very first birthday, Crossovers.
2: The team talk about crossovers. Not just the obvious stuff like movies, but how about when TV shows get made into video games? What about certain recording artists who have awkwardly starred in video games?
3: (laughs) We get taken through some of the most popular and most weird examples. And if you just can't listen to the show live, download the podcast from the Joy website, joy.org.au or the iTunes store.
1: You're listening to A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast program.
6: Yes, you are on Critical Hit here on a Saturday afternoon. We're doing a show today about crossovers, uh, talking about... Video games that are based on um, other forms of pop culture. So we've done movies before, so we're not sort of talking about Lord of the Rings and stuff like that. Talking more about your TV shows that become video games. Celebrities that suddenly come out with video games. Well, yeah, I mean,
7: you look at video games nowadays and pretty much everything has a video game related to it Yes. most of the time.
6: Look, to me, Buffy, the games on Xbox were, to this day, some of the most effective crossovers from a TV show in history, so... During the break, there are a couple of Harry Potter geeks getting very, very <laughs> excited for reasons I don't understand. Me I have my wearing Slytherin, some kind of Harry Potter. I have my outfit. Slytherin hoodie on, yes. Okay, so now what, what game are you talking about that you want remade?
8: Okay, so they made a Harry Potter game, um, Quidditch World Cup, and it was amazing. Like, you got to play as the whole Quidditch team. Like, you picked, you started off at Hogwarts and you picked your Hogwarts house, and then you won the House Cup, and then you could go on to um, one of the international Quidditch teams, and you played all around the world. So they had different quidditch pitches for all different countries including australia by the way it was awesome okay um and then yeah you just got to play quidditch and it was they did it so well and I, oh it was amazing Memories. i thoroughly enjoyed it yes, yes. so
9: it was basically
8: like, like it worked so FIFA, well, the quidditch,
9: yes kind of yes but like it wasn't. I hate FIFA. It worked so well. Like usually when games come out, like the, like little off games and things, they're usually pretty broken. And they're like, let's how can we make money off this? And they just rush it out. Yeah. But it was such a good game.
8: Yeah, the mechanics were really well done, yeah. and I. Is Quidditch
6: kind of like Blitzball from Final Fantasy Ten? Kind of, just
9: in,
8: in the air and a, in not
6: a
7: underwater, way. in a way. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
6: Except you're <laughs> flying
7: on um, broomsticks. I just okay. want.
8: I want a remake, and I want it to be an international esport Like I need this in my <laughs> life. I need every every team to have their own. Quidditch robes, and you see them on TV, and like everyone's got a following. It's just, yeah, that'd be so amazing.
6: So, talking about gaming fantasies for a second, if we can just stray off topic slightly, I always thought the best crossover in history. I'm a wrestling fan, right? So, I always. I always wanted when I was a kid, I still think it would be really cool today. Is a game where it's like GTA kind of thing. So you're in an open world in like a city, but you play as like The Rock and you just walk around like punching people and giving them wrestling moves on cars and like doing the people's elbow on people. And you can change to like different characters and do wrestling moves in the street. And do like a GTA crossover with wrestling? Is that not GTA? Well, not really. <laughs> no, is there no. Are you any sure?
7: psychologists listening to the show? Because I think <laughs> we need a psychologist. And you're
6: like, <laughs> Randy Orton comes in, it's like, oh, KO out of nowhere. And it's just, and you I know, think we need also, a psychologist. We're we just going to gloss over the
9: fact that you have no idea how Quidditch is played, because even if you don't like Harry Potter, that's like.
7: Well, if he hasn't watched any of them no, no. It's broomsticks like, and a
6: ball, right? How, how do you so not know what Quidditch is? It's
7: broomsticks you know like and a ball, right? Let's I just move told you on what on it is it's,
8: it's broomsticks and three different types of balls yeah. what? Golden Snitch?
6: Yeah, you like <laughs> balls, yeah, don't yeah, you, Luke? It sounds like some it's sort it's of porno I don't know what's going on There's a quaffle,
8: there's two bludges and snitch The Golden Snitch is not as bad as
6: you think is I've been to parties called Golden Snitch before
8: Moving
10: right along I want to
8: move on
7: There's probably the best game of all time 50 Cent, Blood in the Sand
6: Yes, and 50 Cent Bulletproof as well, so there's, to relax. There's been two 50 Cent games that have been released. No. Um, action amazing. games. Um, Hasn't there been a lot more? Than I'm
7: just that? really surprised that 50 Cent has his own video games. Look, but I think yeah. it's amazing.
6: <laughs> You're going to play it now. You're going to seek it out, aren't you? Yes. So, look, you know, our musicians being involved in games has been around for a very long time. One of the earliest ones is one of my favourite games as a child Michael Jackson's Moonwalker. On the Sega Master System. And why are you making an, that face? It mixed. was an arcade one as
9: well. Drake keeps appearing on stage at Ubisoft E3 shows. I'm still no. not sure why. I hope they have a game of Drake <laughs> and it's just him crying for like... Oh, <laughs> on a oh, chair. Like 70
6: hours of gameplay.
9: He's just on stage every so often. I'm still, I have no idea why. And then you I kill him for Taylor no reason. It isn't helpful.
6: <laughs> you just kill him for no reason. So <laughs> yeah. we can call it Hatred of Drake. It'd be great. Um, but Michael Jackson's Moonwalker was a fantastic game and much loved by many who have played it. Basically... You run around as Michael Jackson wearing the white suit with the white hat and everything and there's all thugs everywhere and you throw your hat and it works like a bit of a decapitating type mechanism. So you throw your hat to kill people and then if you build up your special, right, the whole screen goes black, but there's a spotlight on Michael and he stops and like dances and he goes, Oh, and like does all this stuff and then he ends it and everyone on the screen just dies instantly. (laughs) (laughs) Ultimate move. It was was (laughs) ultimate (laughs) move. It was like his fatality, but with Michael Jackson dancing you to death. Um it was a truly amazing, amazing game. I on had the Sega an arcade Mars machine system. with it
9: on it. The there, there it is. There it, was it is looking.
6: Yeah, it was arcade as well. Yeah, it was just so cool. And um, as a Michael Jackson fan as a kid, that was when he was in like his peak, right? Like early '90s, late '80s. You know, when it was like he was touring and it was massive. Yeah, and um, it was just an amazing game, and it was such a cool crossover. And it's reflected on quite fondly by many people.
9: I think we must have a bit of a generational gap here.
6: It's not really. But I have heard of it, but yeah, yeah and I have heard. <laughs> I was going to say we're pretty much very
7: similar ages. Yeah.
6: I mean, part of the issue is that not many people had a Sega Master System. Yeah, as well. exactly. So, I mean, yes. that's that's where it gets awkward. But,
7: but also, it was also on Station 2, no, Sega so Mega Drive.
6: I was going to say, PS2, one. Yeah, right. That would be ridiculous. No. Um, also, uh, now, Kev, we mentioned it before briefly, but High School Musicals had a couple of games as well. Yes, they have. They had uh, a Game on the 3DS, which was, or the DS, which
7: was really weird. But they had their High School Musical Sing It, yes. which was basically High School Musical Sing Star, but it was terrible because yes. there was no scoring system in it, so it just was pointless. But, you know, it was still fun because you were just singing along to That's the music called you karaoke, know Kev. It's, essentially, it's essentially what it was. It was yeah. essentially a karaoke game. Um, With a very creepy, lifeless looking <laughs> Zac Efron. Yes. Yes. Yep. But there's a few high school musical games out there and, you know, a lot of these um, right. Disney thing because kids love them. Because <laughs> money. Because money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
6: Because parents buying things. Now, um, and also, Britney's Dance Beat, which you'd mentioned before briefly, but, I mean, this is a game that entirely um, Britney did all the motion capture choreography for as well and so they actually didn't just have the video clips of Britney. You actually had this sort of Decent-looking 3D version of Britney Spears with all her dancers doing the dance routines for the game as you played along with the songs, and it was like a—you press the buttons to try and match up like a Dance Dance Revolution type thing, and but a little looks, bit different. She
7: looks good in that uh, game. That, she looks kind of terrifying. She looks uh, <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> like, like, Google it, Britney's dance <laughs> <speech>. beat. Just Google <laughs> yeah, it. Britney's she dance looks re- amazing. Think,
6: given this was an early early PS2 game, I think it doesn't look that bad. She looks like she's going to devour my soul. Yeah. Well, she might with dancing. <laughs> That's how she does it. That's um, why she looks so young. But look, I actually liked the game, though. <laughs> I know it sounds bad, but it was a different sort of rhythm-based action um, action game, music game. And um, Was it a rhythm game based on using the controller to press buttons? Yes. So what Simon says. Kind of. No, it's like you, it's when like you, you, you play Dance Dance Revolution without a dance mat. You use the controller instead. Yeah, I didn't do that. <laughs> I used a dance mat. Well, not everyone was rich like you, Archer. Some <laughs> whoa, of us couldn't whoa, afford whoa, a dance whoa, mat. whoa, whoa. whoa, whoa. <laughs>
7: Psychologist, we need that psychologist I'm
6: joking, I had a dance man I had the full rock band kit, it's all good A couple of other celebrities to feature in strange gaming crossovers Um, One that comes to mind is Shaq Fu uh, a kung fu fighting game based on Shaquille O'Neal. So amazing. Which is just that not. Sounds horrible. It is, it's not something that you want in I your went, life. I, I played it at copies. work like
9: three days ago. <laughs> what? Yeah, because like you can like. What
6: do you do for a job? What's wrong with you? You
9: know what I do for a job. Yeah, call centre. Like,
6: yeah, that's what's wrong with me. How does me. that
9: come up at work? I was bored, so I'm like. Play. play Shaq Fu. <laughs> I was just like play old Super Nintendo games, and Shaq uh, Fu came up. I'm uh. like, what? So yeah, it's not good. That's the, that's <laughs> that's the, your choice of Super Nintendo game to play with your I saw board? It. I'm like, that's
6: hilarious.
9: So yeah. it's pretty awful. Tell me, that's not the best cover for a game ever, though. That Shaq Fu
7: one. <laughs> Shaq Fu is pretty amazing.
6: Well, Shaquille O'Neal doing kung fu moves with his hands is always. Um Impressive. Enforcer of justice. Shut up. Um, <laughs> also, another one, um, the Playboy Mansion, which came out on PlayStation 2 about seven or ten years ago now, um, featured the Hef himself. Hugh Hefner was in the game, um, along with all his bunnies.
8: That sounds like the most sexist game I've ever heard of in it's my a life. a simulation
6: game. It was like the Sims. That's even worse. But in the Playboy Mansion.
8: Yeah, I stand by it. I think you're a <laughs>
7: photographer. and No, no, you are actually Hugh Hefner. Oh, you yeah. play as you have now? Yeah. yeah. And you so, build your famed Playboy empire from scratch, starting from a humble magazine to celebrity endorsements to home entertainment to internet websites. Sounds like the Kim Kardashian game, made actually. Uh, developed know. by Cyberlaw Studios and published by Ubisoft. Thanks, Ubisoft. In Australia. <laughs> oh, wow. 2005. It, it was a business simulator, apparently.
6: What? <laughs> <laughs> business simulator. This has been Critical Hit on Joy 94.9.
2: You're on Joy 94.9, and this is A Little Pot of Joy with Alice and Andrea. Up next from her voice, same-sex parenting.
3: We hear from Fiona from prospective lesbian parents Victoria about the options and support that are available for same-sex attracted women who would like to start families.
2: Well, there's an awful lot of opposition to same-sex families, and I don't quite understand it. I mean, why should it be any different to have having kids, whether you're same-sex or uh, one male, one female.
3: That's true. It, it's not clear, I don't think, that there's any benefit to having different genders of you know, parental role model because you certainly still get those influences from society anyway.
2: But the other thing, if you look at it, what about with single parents? How do they provide the other half?
3: Well, exactly. Although, you know, we also have to say that society and politicians can really frown on single parents as well.
2: But they accept it.
3: True, as they should.
2: And at the end of the day, parenting, if you're going to go through all this trouble of becoming pregnant and carrying a child nine months, you're going to really care about that child. And having two loving parents is more important than having a a relationship that's uh, chaos.
3: Absolutely.
2: So it seems very, very slanted.
3: Definitely. I think that I know lots of people who would make fantastic parents. So I hope that there's more acceptance and there are some great options and support available, clearly.
2: If you can't listen to the show live, download the podcast from the Joy website, www.joy.org.au or the iTunes store.
1: This is A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast program.
11: And we're joined tonight by Fiona, who runs the Prospective Lesbian Parents Victoria group with her partner, and they also have a young son who I think is 16, 17 weeks now. So, Fiona, welcome to the show. Thank you. <laughs> welcome. Um, what's your... Um, can you To start with, can you just tell us a little bit about your um, background and the work that PLP does? Sure. Um...
12: Basically, I've been involved with uh, facilitating PLP. This is my third year now. Um, so, and PLP has been running f- since about 2004, I believe. So, um, it's been a fairly long-standing support group. Um, we run sorry, monthly meetings um, where same-sex attracted women, whether they be singles, couples, um, can come along and, in a safe, confidential environment, talk about issues relating to conception preconception um and issues you know post-birth and things like that
11: now how's life for you at the moment you are a new mum how's that going for yourself challenging
12: very (laughs) challenging um it's wonderful but look nobody prepares you for parenthood Mm i don't think you know um you know There's so many different challenges. I mean, everyone talks about the sleep deprivation. I think I'm coping pretty well. I think when you're breastfeeding that you get all those happy hormones. My poor partner, Kate. Stick them
13: on the boob and fall asleep. Yeah.
12: Yeah. (laughs) You've Been there, done that. Yeah. (laughs) My poor partner, Kate, I think she suffers a little bit more with the sleep deprivation than I do. But then I always could fall asleep fairly well beforehand, (laughs) let alone being exhausted. So, and I'm back at work. I'm self-employed as well. So, you know, there's the challenges of working and, and looking after him and so... But, yeah, it's one look at that face and one look at that big toothless, cheesy grin and you just melt and you go, yeah, it's so worth it. I love
13: that toothless, cheesy grin. (laughs) I don't think I've ever heard anybody describe their child like that, but I'm loving it and I'm going to use it. I'm definitely going to use that one.
11: Yeah. Um, What sort of, um, in terms of the process that you and your partner went through, what sort of um, challenges did you face? We had a... Uh, an interesting um,
12: journey to becoming um, pregnant and conceiving henry Um, we initially started out with a a known donor Um, that was kind of a fortuitous by chance meeting a colleague when i was working um, sort of you know suggested that her um, heterosexual partner could you know donate for us it was just one of those random coincidentals it never happens you know yeah. Pot of gold at the end of the rainbow kind of things. Um, and so we were, we were quite excited. So we thought, great, we'll, we'll go down that road. And unfortunately, we we had four tries and two miscarriages. Okay. Um, and then we actually happened to meet his mother um, in, at a thermomix party, as you do. Mm-hmm. Just a random thing.
3: Um, a <laughs> the thermomix
12: party. <laughs> and as, although she was lovely, um, she was very much all about... Um, her son was God's gift to the planet and he was just it in a bit and so were her grandchildren. And the law, the way that it is when you have a known donor, anyone who has a vested interest in the child can apply to the family courts for access. Ooh. And that's that kind of did did scare us a little bit um and so then we considered then going the anonymous donor route yep i sort of thought you know obviously things happen for a reason you know our journey wasn't meant to to go down that road um so then we weighed up the pros and cons of going through a local clinic in melbourne versus um, an interstate clinic and for personal reasons we weighed up you know, what our options were. So Kate and I decided to go through Queensland Fertility Group um, and that was a bit of a journey in itself. So we started that process in August and it was like an unfortunate series of events, you know. Part and parcel was, you know, me having a Looney Tune style fall in my kitchen, fracturing my my bum bone
13: um <laughs> well hang on was this this was before the insemination this was before okay. the insemination so right.
12: like trying to lead up to this process oh, and you're like
13: preparing yourself yeah, exactly and, oh. exactly
12: so like that was kind of a story in itself so yeah so I fractured my coccyx so we needed to give time for that to heal because when you're pregnant that's mm. a that an injury would you don't want. Definitely. So then eventually, you know, then the uh, um, gynecologist had a month off on holidays and then anyway, long story short, we eventually got back up to Queensland to try and we got f- pregnant first go at IUI.
13: Fantastic. Which is uh,
12: in utero insemination. Um, so for us, it was a really, really long time for something that happened in the end quite quickly.
13: Um, so just to explain to, to some of the listeners who might not fully understand the, the process of IUI. So it's interuterine insemination. That's right. So we like a lot of people kind of technically know it as turkey basing, but it's a bit <laughs> a bit of a step further than turkey basing, isn't it? Technically, it is. I don't
11: think it it's is. technically known as turkey <laughs> <basing>. <laughs> No, but
13: not, not technically, sorry, locally, locally known as turkey basing. But turkey basing is the kind of first effort, isn't it? Where you literally yes. get a turkey baster. It,
12: you you don't well you can use a turkey baster but there's much more efficient methods oh yeah like getting it
13: right up there like through the cervix
12: you don't want to get it through your cervix so that's actually a common um, misnomer so with IUI you actually do get it through the cervix so it's um done with washed semen yeah um Lovely. Yeah, lovely. Sorry, talking <laughs> about nom, nom. warning. Sort of should have had a warning there. We're going to be talking gross icky bits right now. Um, so, <laughs> IUI is done with um, washed semen, yep. so it can be put through the cervix into the to the uterus, yep. um, and then basically it just it
13: gives the sperm a head start, a better chance of getting better up chance. there. Yeah, sorry. Because the what the washed sperm, like, and and just for the, those of you who don't know what that really means when they, they don't the process of the kitchen sink. No. the process of washing <laughs> sperm is they basically get get rid of all the the two-headed ones the two-tailed ones the ones that are running around in circles they, and they um, get the strong ones don't they they they
12: put it in a centrifuge so and they actually separate the semen from the sperm Lovely. and they put it into a different medium and you get a little vial or a straw or whatever your clinic decides to call it um and they use a you know a really weird looking syringe and you know it's in very it goes. romantic and very romantic <laughs> But it's all very quick, very painless. So five minutes and, oh, right, we're done. good oh.
13: So the candles are on. <laughs>
12: Absolutely. Your girlfriend's
13: beside you giving you a little smooch <laughs> while the doctor's having a go.
12: Our other fertility specialist, she was great. She was really, really good. So um, I think she might be one of the girls as well. So.
10: Yeah. Um, so Fiona, um, we, I want to know, of course, a little bit more about um, what PLP does and we're Tell us a little bit about um, what types of um, resources and support you give to people.
12: Sure. So, we run, like I said before, we run um, monthly meetings, which is held on the third Tuesday of every month. And we cover a range of topics. So, we kind of alternate between guest speakers and um, sessions that, that I run. Um, so, we we have um, a lawyer usually come as a guest speaker. We have um, birth, deaths and marriages. We also have... Uh, the, um, one of the fertility clinics come and speak as well that's always a really popular session uh, some of the sessions that I run is a do-it-yourself to home insemination which is always fun and you yeah, know, we always talked, lots we, of gory details.
10: We talked a lot about that before the show a little <laughs> yeah, bit and brilliant. Had, a, had a few giggles. Brilliant and, gory details. And Grace is very keen on this. Yeah. I think she'll be coming along to the next one. I sound like
13: a spot squeezer. I'm not. <laughs> but the gory details about like surrounding fertility are actually really interesting. Well, that's
12: the thing that often people want to know about. That's the stuff that you, you quite often can't find information on. It's, mm. it's literally the the logistics like yep. how, what do you use like what's the you know what's gonna give you a better? like there's no guarantees but what's going to give you perhaps an easier or better result or what's going to be less fiddly and icky because and what, you what f- do you
13: need to do in advance as well because you need to time it really oh, really well so many women don't
12: know about their cycles no nope. they don't know that you know things happen in patterns they don't know about ovulation mm-hmm. like Knowing when to inseminate is just as important as how to inseminate. Yeah. So you know we go through all those sorts of topics as well.
13: And the thing is, as well, like it's such a beautiful process, like the the monthly cycle. If you actually dig yeah. into it and research it, it's amazing and it's so predictable as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know that this is why women are all crazy because yes. our hormones. <laughs> honestly they just go nuts speak, every month speak for yourself yeah you're crazy you're crazy Barbara. You, just, you just don't want to you don't want to say it but uh, no it's true though and we are totally totally defined by our hormones in yeah. our monthly cycle and, and it is quite a wonderful thing when you do a bit of research on absolutely
12: us. oh look i'm a big fan of the mucus that's oh yeah that's good old cervical the, mucus absolutely you know get in touch with your inner mucus i always say <laughs> <laughs>
13: So yeah, with them. Um, so, so PLP. So, what kind of people do you get showing up? Do you, is it is it all same sex attracted people, or do some heterosexual people show up as well? Um, sometimes we get um,
12: donors, but we kind of ask people to um, let us know when they're bringing donors because you know we like it to be um, an environment where people feel like they can share and ask questions. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's certain sessions where it's absolutely appropriate to bring donors, like. For example, this month's session, we're having inviting support people. So it's an opportunity to perhaps bring grandparents, parents, donors, people that are in your support network that want to ask questions, are a little bit afraid to either ask because they don't want to get that graphic with, you know, or they're asking inappropriate questions and you just want to bring them along so someone else can answer them for you. Yeah. I'm happy to do that sort of stuff. Um, Which is
10: kind of good because it's (laughs)
13: inclusive, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
12: Absolutely. No, we're not exclusive at at
10: all. So, um, And I think that group of people is is quite an important one for somebody who, like, starts this journey. Yes. And... um, because yeah as you we sort of um crossing that a little bit that yeah, for some people, it might work straight away for other people, it might not, yeah, some people try for years, yeah um, and um i, I can imagine it's quite difficult to decide who you talk to yes. in that phase Absolutely. or not because you don't or i I don't you know from people that when they tell you' they're pregnant, that's usually. A while in you know because yeah. you never know what happens might go wrong so you don't tell the world straight well, away so i
12: think too you know it, it, there's always that that I, I know um kate and i had that that issue of of being so excited that you're trying to make a baby and wanting to tell people and and we did tell some some people early on and then when we went through the process of having two miscarriages it's heart-wrenching yeah mm-hmm. and everyone like you read the blogs and all that sort of stuff and everyone says you know don't tell people mm-hmm. until you've passed that safe mark and until you actually go through that process, I think of having a miscarriage. You don't actually acutely realise how much that that can affect you. Mm. Um, you know, but then again, depending on your support network, some people can then rally around you.
13: Yeah, it's a double edged sword. It is really, a double edged sword. It, it really does depend on your support network. I think because if you don't tell anybody, you have to kind of suffer it yourself, yourself yeah. and your partner. Yeah. So you don't have any support them yeah
12: which is yeah it depends again it depends on your your support group yeah you know if you've got some friends of going so you're pregnant yet you're pregnant yet Mm. hey not helpful yeah yeah (laughs) um but then you know you've got other people that just are there and I think they're the kind of support people that you need that uh wait for you to to open up and to to invite you in and to talk about those issues that are meaningful to you and to just be there.
13: And, and of course, heterosexual couples go through this as well. Absolutely, Who, who go through do. IVF. Absolutely. So it's, it's pretty much the same thing for yeah. those guys too. Yeah.
11: Do you, do you find that um, women who are in same-sex relationships, um, do they – like, are you less likely to have within your, you know, sort of friendship groups people who've, you know, shared these similar experiences? Like, I know um, – I mean, most of my gay friends, for example, um, don't have – babies haven't started families versus all of my straight or not all of them (laughs) but a lot of my um well all the straight friends that I grew up with now we're like in our mid-30s um they all have kids so it's it's kind of a different like you find yourself often I think in a totally different social sort of context in terms of that support
12: absolutely I I think I've definitely found that I mean even with new mums groups I haven't really clicked with the new mums groups that's in our area um and I've sort of found that, not that any of them said anything nasty or anything like that. You know, sometimes you just feel a welcoming vibe and sometimes you don't. Um, and, you know, with the new mums group in our area, I definitely haven't felt that connection, that, that ability to identify um with that group so, um, so
10: are you the only same-sex uh, mom yeah yeah in in that
13: area i am yeah <laughs> you <laughs> know what? maybe maybe it's just a, a little bit about and i know we shouldn't have to educate but maybe it is just a bit about that you know and it's about familiarity as well yeah it, it is maybe I mean it'll just take the, a bit of time and perseverance
12: oh yeah potentially i mean be, doing or i love having that people are sort of pretty much all on that same page. They're either going through the process or they're thinking about going through the process. They're there for information or, you know, so you're surrounded by people that understand um, as opposed to, you know, you know, a group of mums sitting around whinging about how little their husbands do well you know mm. I don't have that I have a wonderful partner who does amazing things and you know hell yes two mums are better than one oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely you don't even have to ask which is awesome you know like you can just give a look and it's like hey no I'll cook dinner <laughs> hang on hang on
13: that's not even about kids that's like housework as well absolutely having a female partner is brilliant you just don't have to ask that's it it's just done there's no toilet seat left up it's great yeah <laughs>
3: (laughs) The advantages of having a girlfriend, everybody. (laughs) You're listening to Joy 94.9 and this is A Little Pot of Joy with Andrea and Alice. Up next from the woods, piercing nightmares.
2: Mark, Matt and Dean are joined by Mistress Bella and partner Paulus to bring up the piercing and its effects.
3: In particular, we get a brief history of the Prince Albert and the Reverse Prince Albert, sailing into Sammy's day and Matt's live piercing.
2: You can listen to the entire podcast by downloading it from the Joy website, www.joy.org.au forward slash the woods, or download it for free from the iTunes store.
1: You're listening to A Little Pot of
14: Joy, the podcast program. This is Big Bear Mark, and tonight in the studio, I am joined by both Matt and Dean. Now, you two are just a little bit freaked out at the moment, aren't you? Just uh, uh, on the edge of my seat. Mm. Just on the edge of your seat. <laughs> that, that's because we have got the absolutely lovely <laughs> Mistress Bella in the studio with us. <laughs> Hello, Bella. How are you going?
15: Not bad, Mark. And yourself?
14: I'm good. I'm very, very good. And we've also got uh, Bella's lovely husband, <laughs> Paulus, in the studio as well. Hey, Paulus. Oh, yeah. How you going? Good, voice, good. good. Basically, tonight we're going to be talking about piercing. Ooh. And all the things <laughs> associated or around the body modification as well. I'm scared. Well. <laughs> You're scared. I'm not scared. I've oh, seen all this all before. Thing.
15: Don't worry, boys. Consent really matters. <laughs> <laughs>
14: <But> <laughs> it's a, it's a, now, Bella, you've been in the industry a long time for the. the body modification industry... Come on, Mark. This is
15: radio. No one can see all my wrinkles.
14: You have no wrinkles. What are you talking (laughs) about? Oh, I love you. (laughs) (laughs) I love you. But you were saying that you've been in the industry about 21
15: years, is it? 25. 25. 25. Oh, my God. Yeah.
14: And you're obviously in it for the love of it as well. I do. Absolutely
15: love it. I love the joy and the pleasure that it brings to people. And whether that is purely from an aesthetic viewpoint, you know, something Mm. that's visible on their face or whether it's something that only those special few get to enjoy. Are reasons people go... To- because we specialise in genital piercing and nipple piercing, obviously our focus is primarily on the sensation side of things. Mm. We do do all safe piercings, but, yeah, that's and that's the, the stuff that we really enjoy too. You know, we get yeah. rewarded nicely with that. You know, huge bags of chocolate and all sorts of things people bring in to say, thank you. It's like, oh, my oh, God. Yeah, thank you. Oh, you've yeah. improved my thank life. Yeah, yeah, well, it used to take me hours now <laughs> and it takes me minutes, which is fun, you know, particularly for women.
14: Okay. So, I mean, yeah. men, it usually just takes minutes anyway. But, <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> for women. Yeah. Um, and so are you finding... Uh, over the 25 years, has your demographic... Changed? Do you see more women getting uh, piercings and body modifications, or is it always is it always been sort of the same mix?
15: Look, you know, it all started with gay men. Yeah, you know, so that was always going to be the the lion's share of the clientele, and largely still is. You know, for us, um, it still is because we uh, support you know, the gay community, yeah, Quite, and we love the gay community. So um, we do, te- and we specialise in, you know, genital, which is what it's really all about, you know, genital. Well, the stock standard, uh, what is, the, how do you say it, quadrilla? You know, a PA, a pair of nipples and a septum piercing. You know, that that's right. the, the, yeah. ga- the gay that's the full four. <laughs> yeah, that's the, the full set, and that set has been traditional for a long time. And a lot more geish. And a lot more geish now too. We'll now that, that the magic, later, the magic of that what has all been.
14: Yes, yeah, so <laughs> go on, Dean. What you've got? You, you must have a question. <laughs> oh, so can, let's, um, mm. where do you start? <laughs> where do you start? So look, <laughs> uh, let's start with the Prince Albert. I think people. Well, that's the big Kahuna. That's the big Kahuna, so the mm-hmm.
2: Prince
15: Albert. Please explain.
2: There <laughs> you go. I, I've been okay. tired. We're
15: doing
12: lots Paul of talking. Well, yeah. The yeah. Prince Albert. Um,
16: depending on what theory yeah. you prescribe to us as to why it got his name. Mm-hmm. It, goes back to obviously prince albert that he supposedly put a ring in to hide his member when it was unfashionable when they used to wear skin tight pants and it was unfashionable to show his bulge and would tie it back between his
15: legs and the other story <laughs> was that queen victoria put it in so she didn't have to put her fingers on his oh cock. oh so if you yeah. want it then you better put a ring on it
2: yeah well there Something is like that. that
15: yeah that if you that. like it, put a ring on it um, yeah so absolutely. a reverse prince albert then that can't, okay, so the the PA they both involve the urethra, mm-hmm. all right. So the Prince Albert goes. Uh, we've got one hole built in, which is the urethra and the print cell, but then traditionally comes out on the underside yeah. of the head, um, between that little V. <laughs> Matt, just breathe Matt. Matt. <laughs> <laughs> He's fine. There, there's He's lots fine. of squirming going on in the studio <laughs> yeah. tonight. Um, and then the reverse PA is, you know, body piercer language is not that complicated. The reverse PA goes yeah. the opposite way. So it comes out through the top of the head instead of the bottom. So the reverse PA goes through a lot more tissue. Mm.
14: Mm.
16: And sensation-wise, they're for both parties. And whether that's male-male, male-female, male, both parties get a good sensation from it. Unless you have
14: fillings, and that's another story. That's dental, and <laughs> you have a good <laughs> dental plan.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
14: yes.
0: With the guys who, who get this done, uh, obviously it is a, a sensitive area for a fella. Uh, how do you deal with with patients or clients who uh, are squirmish? Let's say we talk to them, reassure them, and we took. I don't believe there's anybody that we haven't got through yet. Mm. And has anybody ever fainted? Or they're laying down, so what does it doesn't matter? <laughs> Good point. No, I mean Matt. Ever is a long word. Uh, sorry, a
15: long time. Yeah. Um, but uh, very, very few. You know, and most people, male or female, but usually guys. You know. Uh, oh my god, is that
0: it? You know, it's like done. I've just built it up so much in my head. I've had my eyebrows done uh, three times. Okay. Uh, and you had your eyebrows pierced or plucked? Yeah, three times. Okay. <laughs> right. uh, and each time it grew out within a year. Right. Uh, does the same happen to the penis? Does it not usually? No, no. no? Okay. no the rejection is still a risk. You know,
15: whenever we put something into the body that's not meant to be there, um, which is where the quality of the jewelry does play a very significant well, role. I'm
0: very cheap, so well then you
15: get what you pay for, don't you, mate? That's, that's exactly right. You, you got you got your money's worth in that it was temporary. You only pay per day. So if it was cheap, you know, <laughs> that's fine.
0: Now, now, one of the other ones that has intrigued me, I won't say I'm curious, I'm
15: more intrigued. Um, now, they say that real men don't eat quiche. <laughs> but apparently real men do go the geesh. Yeah, yeah. but they will stimulate a prostate, though. So we're, we're, oh, how,
16: do we, okay. how do we explain yeah, this talking. one? We, uh, this one goes... So it's between the ball sack and the anus? And that's a, how we explain it's it. A it's a bar. <laughs> it's a bar that goes... Oh, okay. or, or, a or, a or a
9: ring.
16: ring, okay. yeah. 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 Right. And you do this because... Well, if you position it right, it should sit just over the top of the prostate, Okay. which then can add stimulation during ejaculation or just general playing, whether it's a ring and somebody can pull on it, or you can hang a weight on it, or you can have the bar for somebody to press on it, and if they press on it all at the right time, it's... uh, Great things happen. Great (laughs)
14: things happen.
15: (laughs) Kind of an Um, X marks the spot.
14: Yeah, it's like, just press there. Um, (laughs) Because... Am I right saying it's the perineum, isn't it? Yeah. The area that's yeah. Um, stimulated. Yeah. Uh, can oh, you,
6: yeah.
15: If you go with the ring, can you then change to a barbell, or does mm-hmm. it? Yes.
14: Oh, so they are adjustable
0: mm-hmm. adjust, and interchangeable. Okay. How yeah. do you deal with cleanliness? In in that area where it's generally you know more humid and sweaty, most did of the your mummy not teach you to wipe from the front to the back? <laughs> well, our, our listeners are mostly bears, so sure, but hairy, you know, you still wipe men. from
15: the front to the back. I'm
0: yet. not talking about that. It, oh. it's, it's just sweats, normal, normal, like normal sweat, like just normal, normal normal,
16: normal, normal, shower. normal hygiene rules apply. Don't talk to him. Oh,
15: well. <laughs>
0: yeah,
16: um, yeah, just normal everyday showering and hygiene rules apply, okay. and mm-hmm. that takes care of the majority, all of it really. No, yeah. You know, anyway, because
15: your sweat's fine for you. You know, it's only when it stays there too long.
14: Yeah, you just wash it can the, the taint away.
15: <laughs> you <Yeah. laughs> know, <laughs> a, a day or two is fine but much more than
0: that then you okay, could so have it, a problem.
14: Yeah, there's no big issue though. No. Okay. no. So in terms of um, safety and when you're, you are piercing, I mean obviously you do take a lot of care and you know, and what you said before is you pay for what you get mm. and Quite frankly, you've got to... I mean, when you're dealing with these sorts of areas, you can't stuff it you up. You only you? get one. You are, yeah, you only <laughs> you get only one get shot. One. <laughs> so you want someone who knows what they're doing. I would think. Yeah.
15: People tend to put a lot more research into finding their genital <coughs> piercers than they do into the, you know, the person saying who does their eyebrow. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
14: Yeah,
15: exactly. Yeah, it, now, it's prime real estate. Yeah, exactly. You know?
2: Well, we've come to the end of another wonderful evening.
3: It just goes so quickly, doesn't it? I know. I never know what to say at the end. I'm just sad to see it go.
2: You can find more of the complete podcasts on Joy website, www.joy.org.au, or download them for free from the iTunes store.
1: You've been listening to A Little Pot of Joy, the podcast program. See joy.org.au and click on our podcast link to subscribe to your favourite podcasts free.
3: Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.